We are Lone Star 187. Two sisters that love listening to true crime podcasts and decided to give this shit a try. Since we are Texas through and through, we will be researching murders across our Lone Star state. 187 is slang for the penal code for homicide. Since police codes are unique by city and county, we decided to simply use something that most people would get. We know this code isn't specific to Texas, but hey, we like it and it's our podcast, so we do what we want. How did we choose our first story, you ask? Most weekends we spend together with our mom. She is always telling us stories from the past. A couple of weeks ago, she gave us this gold nugget. She casually mentions something about our dad and granddad having to go pick up some bloody carpet from someone's alley. What? Tell us more, we said. And so it began. We will release a new episode each week along with interesting pictures we find during our research. We have all the usual social media platforms where you'll be able to find all of the goods. We look forward to telling you the stories we find interesting and in the most accurate way possible. Lone Star 187 most definitely contains elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Case file 54, Christina Morris. Hello. And we're back. Hello, everyone. We're back. Welcome back, back to our podcast. <laughs> our shit show. Yeah. So I'm Brittany. And I am Carrie. And together we are Lone Star 187. So we just finished the holiday weekend. It's a good weekend. Yes. So for those of you that don't know us that well. Every Labor Day, we go to Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and we stay in a big old bougie cabin. Grateful Head Pizza. Yes, so good. And we spend time with our uh, all of us siblings and our aunt and uncle on my dad's side. And, of course, our mom and the children. Hope everybody... It's been fun. We drink beer. We play with fire. We swim. We gamble. We play Ring of Fire. We eat. We eat. And we eat. And we have cupcakes championships. Oh, speaking of which, we started that in 2015. Mm Mm-hmm. And this would be the sixth bake-off. And I would like for you to tell me, for the first time, what team won? Um, my team. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. The first couple of years, I was with um, your daughter, Bryn, right? I love you, Bryn. I mean, <laughs> she's just not a baker. Love you, but you're not, you're, we're, not, we're not bakers. And then one year, I decided to make um, pink champagne cupcakes, where you put champagne in the icing, and then my icing fell apart, so I just drank the champagne. <laughs> so that year that was pretty awesome. <laughs> it's not a good year. She was drinking it straight off the bottle. Yeah, like I made the frosting; it looked great, and we decided to um, present the cupcakes in a wine glass because we thought like it just completely made sense. And as they're sitting there at the table to be eaten, the icing just completely breaks down buttercream is a really finicky bitch well it was the bubbles in the champagne i kept adding and adding it so i could taste it and and it completely backfired and ruined my icing but even without champagne butter buttercream is a finicky bitch it is but this is not a baking show no this is not a baking show focus 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 focus. Focus, my friends focus i would say where are we but since i heard the case file i already know where we are but our listeners weren't privy to that information so why don't you tell us where are we this week so we're going to plano texas again a lot of shit goes down in plano a lot of shit does go down in plano and i know normally uh traditionally in these episodes i present a case that you don't know anything about but this case hits close to both of us um and with this being a very publicized case i felt like it was important and it's around labor day which is whenever everything happened also it's been a while since this happened so i wanted to be sure that we let the dust settle a little bit let the family have time to grieve because you know obviously if it's being covered unfortunately someone did pass away so and i know that our listeners love it when we cover a really 
big story. Mm -hmm. I know we like to do the ones that people haven't heard of because there's always some kind of weird twist that you weren't expecting. But but people do like it when we cover major stories. Mm -hmm. So so who 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 who? So in our time machine, we're not going back that far. Okay. We're going to August 29th of 2014. And 2014 was a hard year for us. It was. And the fall of 2014 was hard for us. So I know this was going on literally in your backyard. It was going on around us, but it was hard to really focus on what was going on because that was the year that our dad battled and lost his battle with cancer. So fuck you, cancer. <laughs> in the ass. And so because of that, <laughs> now looking when I was researching, a lot of it was coming back to me, but there was stuff I didn't even know. Because some of that, like you said, in my backyard, because I lived in Allen at the time. Yes. So we'll say yeah. how that ties in later. And but. Um, so while I'm thinking about it, I there's a, a show on ID called See No Evil. In May of 2020, an episode was released about this case called We Never Fought. And then I spent two hours on the phone with our cousin, Amanda who lives in Allen and was a street over from this and also sat in on the trial. I also spoke to um, a family member who lives where uh, the body was discovered. A lot of inside information. Of yeah. course, um, I got my information from Dallas Morning News, the Forward Telegram, and newspapers.com. We have a young girl by the name of Christina Morris. She is 23 years old. She is a UTD alumni working as like a freelance photographer. She had just gotten a job for a dating website to take pictures of like fake couples for the website. Was it Match.com? They didn't say. It was just oh, a dating website. Snap. But I don't know. I mean, 2014, Match.com was still pretty oh, popular. Because yeah. I know what, like in 2016, 2017, that's when the apps got really popular, like Tinder think, and all the those. other apps. Yeah. Um, but they own most of them. They're like the Microsoft really? of online dating. That's if really smart. They If they can't beat them, they buy them. Smart. I, so I can't believe I know them. they own OkCupid. Okay they own Tinder. Dang. Mm -hmm. Smart. That's just a couple that come that are off the top of my head. So, yeah. So she um, she grew up in the Plano Allen area, and it's Labor Day weekend, 2014, and she's like, you know, I'm gonna go to Allen and I'm gonna in Plano. I'm gonna spend the weekend with my friends. So she plans to meet up with her her friends Paulina Petrosky, who she knew from Allen High School, and Paulina had an apartment in the Shops at Legacy, which we've been to many times. Christina goes to Paulina's apartment where she meets some friends, uh, Sabrina Boss, Stephen Nickerson. James Nyawera, Justin Hill, Bria Lofton, and Enrique Rochi. So all these friends, she meets at the apartment and they all hang out. And she's known these people. She's went to high school with them. She's currently living in Fort Worth with her boyfriend, Hunter. And he's going to spend the weekend in Dallas with his friends. So they kind of just spend a weekend apart hanging out with friends. And so she arrives in Plano around um, 11 p.m. Uh, she parks in the parking garage at the Shops at Legacy, and she heads into um, to Paulina's apartment, and they all decide to go to a bar called Scruffy Duffy's. We've been there. <laughs> was that the one where there was so much flannel? No, so much plaid. Plaid. There was plaid everywhere. And that seems kind of late, but that's actually when it starts hopping. Yeah. Yeah, because right. I remember we went there. Me, you, and Steph went there. And it was, like, so crowded we couldn't even hardly get a drink at the mm -hmm. bar. It was so busy. It was – there was just too much plaid. Plaid everywhere. <laughs> Could you turn it down the plaid a is little bit? a plaid headache. I need – I can't see. The plaid. And what are those shoes they were wearing? I don't remember the shoes. I just remember the plaid. There were whatever kind of preppy shoes <laughs> and plaid just everywhere. <laughs> so she – um, she goes Scruffy Duffy's and then they decide to go back to Paulina's apartment and of course make a trip to Whataburger because that's what you do after a night I mean, of drinking. Standard. You know? Standard. And they go back to her apartment and then her friends kind of see that she's texting her boyfriend and she seems really upset. She says it's her boyfriend. He's not really responding to her. And then she contemplates whether or not she's going to stay the night at Paulina's or she's going to go home to Fort Worth, which is a long drive from it Plano. It is a really, it's at least an hour. And this is West, very far West Plano. Um, right off the tollway, mm -hmm. for those that are familiar with the Metroplex. Spring Creek and the tollway. Like you said, about an hour drive. Mainly highway, but still an hour. So she contemplates staying or not. She's not too drunk. She's not like, her friends are like, you can't drive. But they just kind of worry about her. But um, as she decides to leave, one of her friends that she had met up with there, um, Enrique Road, she's like, you know what, I'm going to head out to... Because she was scared to walk to her car. He's like, I'll walk with you to your car, no problem. So they leave. When they... I think about how many times I've walked to my car by myself at that place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Continue. So um, they leave, go about their night. That's August 29th into the 30th, which the 30th was a Saturday. The second, Christina's father gets a call from his ex-wife, her mom, stating, have you heard from Christina? Nobody's heard from her. Uh, Mark Morris, Christina's father, calls Christina's boyfriend, Hunter, uh, multiple times, and the phone's going straight to voicemail. So he's worried that something may have happened to both of them because she didn't arrive to work that morning. So the last time anybody had heard from her at this point is Friday night or early Saturday morning when she leaves to head to her car after Paulina's apartment. Mark Morris, uh, Christina's father, calls Plano police and says, you know, I, my daughter, I think my daughter's missing. She didn't show up to work and her boyfriend is not answering his phone. Um, her friends, last time that they saw her was during this time, so I don't really know what's going on. The last place she was seen was the was the the apartment in the parking garage. So Plano was police, that Friday night or Saturday night? That was early Saturday morning. So Friday night into Saturday. Correct. Okay. Plano police go to the parking garage and they find her car, by where she left it, locked. No signs of a struggle. Nothing around the car. So now they're worried something is mm-hmm. gone awry. Mm-hmm. Plano police continue trying to get a hold of her boyfriend, and they're still unable to reach him. Phone's going straight to voicemail. So since Enrique walked her to her car, they feel that Enrique is the best person to go to talk to next. So they reach out to Enrique. He's very open to talking to them. Um, He tells them, well, I'm actually at work. I work for Sprint. I'm the manager at the store. I can't leave right now, but as soon as I'm off work, I'll come up and talk to you. Um, While they're searching the parking garage and waiting for Enrique to come in for questioning, they see there's surveillance cameras. Cameras <laughs> everywhere. And they take the surveillance back to the department, and I'm going to run through a timeline with you. Okay. So. And the, the timeline is established from the camera, from the recordings. Correct. Okay. So Plano police pull the, the cameras, and they start looking, and they see that at 11.22 p.m., Christina Morris's car enters the parking garage at the shops at Legacy in Plano. Sure. And just right behind her, two cars behind her, Enrique Orochi also enters the parking garage. So they see that they're both of their cars are in the same, pulling into the same parking garage. Because they're, for those of you that have never been, it's the shops at Legacy is like it's mall like a giant... or like a downtown area where it's... There's, I'm sorry, my laptop's going to warp speed for some reason. <laughs> Ludicrous speed. There's restaurants, there's bars, there's shops, there's doctor's offices, there's um, uh, like aesthetic places that do lashes and nails. So there's multiple shops, and then above those shops are apartments. So there's multiple parking garages. Some are for apartments, and some are for the businesses. So you can see at 11:22 that these two pull into the same parking garage. Well, but the parking garage they pulled into was the parking garage for people that are going to party at that bar. Correct. Because the main, uh, there are a lot of shops, but in the middle, not really in the middle, but at one of the sections, there's like a four or five story building where there's like restaurant, there's like a a lot of little tiny restaurants, kind of like a food court. So imagine a three or four story food court Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. bars placed here and there. So they went to park in the parking garage for the people that are going to that section not where the people that live in the apartments are. exactly yeah so you could so tell it's that, not that it was like a, for him to be parking in the same spot she's right. parking in. it was like a more of a public parking yeah so they see that at 11 22 and then at about 11 54 they see a group of people and they're able to tell by what christina was wearing she was wearing a hat and like a long duster a sleeveless duster um and like a skirt that was very stevie nicks-ish yes and it was like you could tell when she was walking that it was her because it, was a, it wasn't a common pair of jeans and a T-shirt. And with her, you see two girls and a taller boy or man. And you can tell that um, by the description of the people that um, Sabrina Boss, I think Paulina, they didn't specify, another girl, um, Christina, and then Enrique Rochi. He's a tall, you know, tall Hispanic male. He's got a long black sleeve, long sleeve shirt on, and he's got, he's wearing jeans. And you can tell that the way they're walking, they're laughing and they're joking and they're just walking along the shops at Legacy on their way towards Scruffy Duffy's. So you can tell that there's nothing weird going on. No one's upset with anyone. Very just just a bunch of friends, just average going out friends. For a Friday yeah. night. So they see them all walking together, and then they don't see them for a while, and then they see. Well, this is probably why they're in Scruffy Duffy's. Right. From Scruffy Duffy's, they go back to the apartment, which isn't seen on camera. Where Paulina lived, she lived off Scruggs Way, which is a street that's within the Shops at Legacy. But her apartments faced Parkwood, which um, runs between the Tollway 
and um, Preston. It runs parallel to the yes, tollway. Yes, I'm sorry. Parallel yes. um, with parallel runs along, right? Parallels beside. Beside, so yes. the tollway's here, and then that's what's yeah. here. It doesn't right. go Right, perpendicular, right. Okay, so it's the tollway, Parkwood, and then Preston. Okay. So between, because these apartments are along Legacy and Parkwood, and then her apartments face Parkwood. So at the corner of Parkwood and Legacy is where Paulina's apartment is. So they decide to watch those cameras to see whenever Enrique and Christina leave the apartment, what direction do they go towards the parking garages? And is she by herself at that point? Are they together? What's going on? So they see um, an ATM that faces Parkwood and Legacy. So they pull that camera and at 3.47 a.m. they see Christina and Enrique walking Side by side towards the parking garages that they both parked in. Okay. Then at 357, it's a aerial view of Christina and Enrique walking into the parking garage together. Walking and talking, nothing weird. There's a motion detector camera that faces into the garage. Not the outside or on top, but actually faces where you can see where the cars are parked. At 3.59 a.m., the motion de- detected camera goes off and you can see Christina's car parked. And then you see what looks like a very low to the ground sports car back up and leave. And then at 4 a.m. they see Enrique's car leaving the parking garage. So it is their assumption that Enrique is leaving, but they can't, they don't see Christina's car leaving or Christina or Enrique. But can they tell it's his car? It looks like his car and it's black and white. It's kind of fuzzy, but they were parked next to each other. They pulled in at the same time. So and because his car is leaving, and there's no other cars around, it's safe to assume that it's his car. Fair enough. So you see his car leaving. And then... There's no... They can't tell if she's in the car or not. No. Or her car is still in the parking garage. Correct. By this, they can tell. Yes. Okay. And they tried to zoom in to his car, and they can't tell who's driving. Not able to tell if he's the one driving, if there's anybody in his car. They're just pretty sure it's his car. But it, it makes... There's no other cars that left that and they And they didn't see. see him the rest of the... There's no other video camera, video footage after that of him arriving or leaving. Correct. Okay. And you never see her car leave the parking lot. You never see anybody approach her vehicle. Yeah. That's the last they see. After Enrique Rochi finishes work, he goes to speak to the police. Um, Enrique Rochi told the police he left Pauline's apartment with Christina, and when they hit the sidewalk, they went their separate ways. Dumbass. We have you on video. I mean, it doesn't take... It's really hard to not notice there are cameras everywhere. Everywhere there. I mean, I didn't need to know about the story to know that there are cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's not only is it a well-populated area, but some of those stores and restaurants over there are high dollar. And not only that, I've seen Lambos every time we go. Yeah. And those Lambos are parked in the same parking garage where my car is. And you think they want they want their shit protected. And I'm yeah. not saying that's the only reason they have cameras, but there are cameras everywhere. Well, and- On every level. In every corner. So in, I bet on just one level, there's probably like 20. And the shops at Legacy is West Plano, which is the richer part of Plano. There's a lot of football players that live in that area. He said that he parked in a different parking garage than Christina. You are so dumb, for real. And so police were like, okay, well, can we have your phone log just so we can confirm the time that you arrived and you left? And he said, um, yeah, no problem. I was texting my my girlfriend. They're like, okay, yeah, we just we want a copy of your phone log. So he's like, no problem. So he hands his phone over. Get the warrant and the okay to get his phone records, and they let him go. I mean, they can't keep him. Now, they did go look at his car, and this is where I'll kind of get in detail later about this, but all they did was look inside. They just opened the doors and looked inside. They didn't see anything suspicious to them because at this point it had only been couple of days since she had been seen. Well, and doesn't he drive a black Mustang with he, black uh, interior? A gray, a 2010 gray Chevy Camaro. Okay. I don't know why I thought it was a black Mustang. No, but a Chevy Camaro. Similar, mm-hmm. okay. So they just look inside for any signs of anything out of the ordinary. They don't see anything and they let him go. So he leaves and then they finally get a hold of Hunter, her boyfriend, and he agrees to come in. And they tell him, this is the third, by the way, this, is, this would be Wednesday. So she is, the last time she was seen was early Saturday morning. So they're like, you know, you're really uncooperative. We haven't heard from you. We've been calling you. Your girlfriend's missing. And he's like, yeah, I lost my phone in Uptown Dallas. And I haven't been able, I had to get a new one. Oh, so he hasn't had his phone. He hasn't had his phone. Okay. That makes sense. And he's, so they asked him, you know, what's going on? Do you and Christina fight? He's like, no, we've been good. You know, everything's fine. We never fought. We've always been happy dating a year. Everything's good, right? That's what they always say. Nobody ever doesn't fight. So they're like, well, why don't you tell us what you were doing Friday night? And he's like, okay, so 
I went to a bar in Dallas called Concrete Cowboy. And I did receive some text messages from Christina, but I didn't read them or really look at them that night. So I'm going to read you. That's because they must have been fighting because you don't ignore your girlfriend's text unless you're pissed or you're trying or you're with your side piece. The side hoe. You're with the side hoe. So at 2.12 a.m., Christina sent Hunter multiple texts for the next 90 minutes and Hunter did not reply. Um, She started asking him if he could come get her. That she missed him. She thought that she drank too much. Maybe she shouldn't drive. And then he didn't reply. She's like, what's going on? And then she sent many messages begging for him to respond. She wanted um, to spend some time with him yeah. before she had to go back to work. Um, she said she thought she lost her keys. She couldn't find her keys. And then at 3.01 a.m., which was about 45 minutes later, she sent a message saying, good night. Um, you just lost the best thing that ever happened to you. And then immediately a few minutes later, she's like, not really. I'm going to take a taxi home. Maybe I'll see you one day. You could just tell that she was just trying to say whatever she could to get a rise out of him to get a response. And then at 3.20 a.m., she sent um, a few more texts telling Hunter, you know, I'm not angry with you. My phone's about to die. I still can't find my car keys. I want to drive home. I want to go home to you. 3.48 a.m., she sent uh, another text to him. This was the last text just stating that she was almost to her car and that she was on her way home. So obviously she thought she found her keys or she did have her keys or all she said was she was on her way home. So is it possible that she took a taxi home? Um, I'll get to that. Okay. And then there, and so that's the last message that she had sent to him that night. I bet he feels like a piece of shit now. So they're like, so you didn't get those messages? And he's like, yeah, I got them, but I didn't see them until the next morning. And she wasn't home, so I figured she's probably mad. And she stayed in Plano. So that next night, which was Saturday night, he still hadn't heard from her. He just went out again with his friends. He didn't really seem concerned. He so he didn't try her. to text or call her. There's nothing on his phone where he tried to get back in touch with her? Nope. So I guess they really weren't that happy. And you said they'd only been dating how long? A, a year? year. That's mm-hmm. a long time, though. And they were living together. Oh, they were living together. Yeah. She, they oh, lived that's in a, totally different. They okay, lived in the apartment together. I forgot they lived together. And that's why she was like, come get me. I want to come home to you. You know, I want to be with you. But So Christina's family and friends were suspicious of Hunter. Um, they believed he either used or sold drugs. And Hunter did admit to police that on the night of the 29th, he was selling and using drugs, that he had taken MDMA and Xanax and drank alcohol with them to enhance the effects. And when the bar at Concrete Cowboy closed at 2 a.m., he went to the W Hotel in Dallas with friends and continued partying. Um, Police asked if he had went to Plano at all that night. Did you go to Plano at all with anyone? He's like, you know, it was really a blur. Um, but I don't believe I was there. I imagine it's a blur. MDMA, Xanax, and alcohol. Isn't that like, wouldn't that kill most people? I would think so. I mean, MDMA. Just one Xanax is going to knock me on my ass without adding alcohol. Or MD, because MDMA is an upper. Right. And Xanax is a downer. So I would think that they would kind of balance each other I'm out. Not down with the downers. They talk to his friends and they all corroborate his story. So they kind of feel like, I don't really know what involvement he could have. He's a careless boyfriend and probably didn't have... The best feelings for her or have her as much of a priority as he should but we don't think he's involved well and they if they really thought he was involved they could have pulled surveillance as well i'm sure there's surveillance somewhere in uptown where oh i'm sure i've heard of concrete cowboy but i've never been there but it's uptown right mm-hmm. he seems like a bougie uptown guy even yeah. though i've never met him so they call enrique in again for a second questioning and they're like you know there's some details here now that they've looked at all the surveillance after his story because when they talked to him they were still reviewing the surveillance so they oh, didn't know they didn't so they didn't know he was lying at the time no when they okay. his his first story they didn't know they that he was it. lying right because that was initially when it happened but then while they're waiting to hear back from the boyfriend they go and they get the surveillance and they see all this so they ask him to come back well because now they want to know why is he lying exactly what so, are you trying to cover up there mr orochi they asked him, is it, is it possible that you could have parked near her car? He's like, no, because I parked in front of my friend's apartment. And so they have this, in the documentary, they have this um, like poster board with the diagram of Shops at Legacy. And they have like Paulina's apartment and like Scruffy Devies and all these places. And they have where Christina's car was found, but they don't tell him where his car was. They just say, well, where did you park? And he's like, oh, I parked over here near my friend's apartment. They're, he's like, well, I would have never parked in that parking garage. Like, so you never... And that the, is the main parking garage. As soon as you pass that area where you go in where they have the multi-floored mm-hmm, food court with bars, that is the first parking garage you get to. So it is the main one, in my opinion. It's the same one I always park in. Yeah. And you too. Yeah. 
Um, and if you're if you're lucky enough to find a spot to park along the road, I've never been that lucky. And you get there at like four o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. and park there, maybe. But they didn't get there until eleven twenty-two. Well, according to the surveillance, which he didn't know at the time. So that detective that place tries would have been packed so hard to like make to just nail him down. She's like, so you're telling me that this parking garage, your car, a 2010 gray Chevy Camaro. Never entered this parking lot, never parked on this floor, and was never in this what area. A dumbass. Like he, and he's he like, he's like, right no, there. I, I parked over here. And she's like, okay. So then she comes back and she has still pictures from the surveillance. And she's like, is this your car? He's like, yep, that's my car. She's like, okay, let me show you a video. And she plays the video of him entering and exiting. And he's, hmm, you know, actually looking back, I think I moved my car when we went to Whataburger. I think I moved it from my friend's apartment to her, to that, to no, that parking garage. No, there's a timestamp, dumbass. And she's like, well, but you entered 1122 and you don't exit again until 4 a.m. So and he's Did like, well. Did you go to Whataburger at 4? I was really drunk. I don't, I don't really know where I parked. Okay, but you didn't arrive there drunk. And not only that, you've told me five times prior to this conversation that you parked by your friend. So again, they said. Now so, you're drunk. And you're drunk before you get there? That I, mean, I mean, it's 1122. I could, there's see, some I could see having some road sodies. We, Don't get me wrong. We do some pregame, but, but we're going to cop to it. But we're we saw gonna. him walking with his friends fine. From the apartment. So he, they were he, probably pregaming at the apartment, I bet. But you couldn't have been so drunk. Parked. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the timeline so just doesn't add up, right? <laughs> <laughs> so almost a week goes by. Um, on September 9th of 2014, she's been missing now for about a week. Um, last time she was seen. So Texas EquiSearch and local volunteers, local volunteers start searching for her. They start putting posters up and Mark Morris and Joni, her mom and dad hire Paula Bourgeois, Bourgeois, a PI to help in the search because they feel they, and which is really smart, especially this part, this, this early in the investigation. Because you don't know if the cop, like you, you just want to make sure they're doing their job. And detectives send out the footage to the news of them walking in the parking garage Mm -hmm. together. I'm playing it in my head right now. So that maybe somebody saw something. So fast forward um, to September 12th of 2014. The detectives were like, you know, let's just go back through the cameras again. Let's just see, did we miss something? Maybe we missed something. Maybe she walked out with somebody. Maybe somebody caught her. Maybe she left on foot. You know, like it just, maybe we missed something. So they notice on that motion detector camera that you see um, Enrique Rochi's car leave, but you see Christina's car staying still. They see a green Kia Soul at 408, which was the same exact time that Enrique leaves the parking garage, which would have been the same time that Christina was in the parking garage. So they start looking at multiple cameras and they see this car hit on multiple cameras circling the parking lot. Different parking lots in the shops at Legacy. Like like, they're looking for something. Right. And they're like, what is going on? Like, what is this car? So they can't get, there's no identifiable marks. There's no stickers. They can't make out the license plate. So they reach out to local cab companies because this is the shops at Legacy. It could have been an Uber. Could have been an Uber. Could have been a Lyft. Could have been a private owned taxi service. And come to find out it was an Uber driver because you know how with Uber, they're able to track every move and he was looking for his, his rider and that rider was picked up and she confirmed that there was no one in the car with him. He picked her up and she drove home and his GPS shows that. At least they noticed the pattern and were able to do that. Yeah, And they went out and looked for another lead, even though they kind of felt like they had something, they didn't give up the look, you know, impressed two weeks, two more weeks go by. We're at September 26th of 2014. Enrique and Roji, they're just, they get some tips and they don't really say in the documentary how they get tips, but they just feel that they should, they, whatever tips they get, give them enough evidence and enough information to get a search warrant on Enrique's car. And they also have finally obtained his phone records. So I'm going to share with well, you. Well, but they had already, they already had his phone, so they could go through and look at the text messages and, and there, stuff. But there was nothing on his phone. So okay. that's why they... He got permission from him to request records from his mobile carrier. Which will tell them who who he called in text, but also do the ping thing where mm-hmm. they know exactly where his vehicle is or where he is with his phone, right? They look through his phone records and they see that he did send a text message to his girlfriend Friday the 29th at 8.02 p.m. saying that he had a headache and that he didn't feel well. Hmm. And they text back and forth. And at 10.38, his girlfriend said, hey, can you give me a call? Enrique sent a text at 10.41 stating that, 
his headache had gotten really bad and he was going to sleep. So his girlfriend believed that he was home in bed, even though he was already on his way to Paulina's apartment. And the next text that his girlfriend received was the next morning at 10.52 a.m. on the 30th, um, just saying, you know, good morning. During further questioning, when after they confiscated his car, they asked if Christina was ever in his car. They're like, we're going to swipe your car for DNA, swab your car for DNA. And before we do so, is it possible that her DNA could be in your car? He's like, nope. When I left the shops at Legacy, I drove home on 75. Now, you and I lived in this area. 75 runs parallel to the tollway. So if you leave the shops at Legacy, you have to take Spring Creek or Legacy all All the way way down to 75. And I've gone that way. It's longer. It's longer. But it's not highway, so it's It's going to take you a long time. So if you live in Allen, why would you cut through Plano when you're right by the tollway? Wouldn't you just take the tollway to 121? Yep. All the way to 75 instead or of cutting exchange, through. like depending on what street in Allen you live on. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because then you wouldn't have to go all the way around. You just cut off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I would get on, on the tollway. Right. Instead of going through Plano and it's late Lights. at night, cops, you've been drinking. Yep. Right. It's okay. safer just to get on the highway. We know. We know. Follow the flow Not. of the traffic. Yep. So that was like, okay. His cell records show that his phone pinged. South Highway 121 at 4.08 a.m. Wait, I thought he left. I thought he left shops at Legacy at 4. Oh, he left at 4. At 4. So eight minutes to get to 121. Okay, yep. I can mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. Yep. And so his phone pings off a tower right next to 121. So but how are how you? How could that be? Because he took Spring Creek to 75. I mean, that's a very good question. So we know that that's a lie. He's a liar. So they indicated that he went his... They also... The cell phone records also showed that he went on the Dallas North Tollway to 121, passing 121 at 4.08, and police showed him footage of him entering the parking garage, and he said, you know, maybe he moved his car, he was so intoxicated, he just couldn't remember. So when they took his car, they also searched his house and the trash cans outside of his house. Where does he live? He lives in Allen, Texas, off of... Uh, I don't know his actual street, but it's off of Heritage. Which is where I used to live off, when all this was yeah. going down. Yep. Yeah. It, it is your... about three or four blocks away from where I lived mm-hmm. and just a couple of blocks away from where our cousin Amanda lives with my Aunt Teresa. And so she was even closer to it than we were. Yep. So and to the on the other side of the street from this neighborhood is a creek. It is. It's like a creek and and jog and there's a little park and when they did the search of his house they found a mason jar in his closet or i'm sorry it wasn't a mason jar it was a black olive jar that had a piece of like press and seal or like saran wrap over the top and then the lid put on like we do our gummies yes with um some weird fluid and pieces of paper with like stuff written on it and when they poured it out, some weird fluid. Like I'll show I'll show pictures okay. and I'll post pictures, but it's like piss. No, like a uh, kind of a slimy, but it also smelled very cinnamony when they poured it out. And I'll show pictures of how like it's all torn up. You can't make out if it's words or names. It's very odd. And then yeah. they found a post-it note in the trash with bullet points on it, and it said "black shirt," text from the 29th to today. Bank bills, sell bills. Okay. None of that means anything. What about text from the 29th to today? What's so significant about those days? They probably need to be deleted. Exactly. And a black shirt. He was wearing a black shirt that night. Oh, he was wearing a black shirt? Yeah. So th- these are the things that he needed to get rid of. That's what it sounds and like to me. bank, like, did he go to an ATM or something? Or So mm-hmm. read the list again. Black shirt. Okay. Text from the 29th to today. Bank bills, sell bills. Yep. Cover thy tracks. So they're going to process his car and they're going to swab for DNA. And while that's processing, we're going to October of 2014, where the Morris family stage a protest outside of his home. Yep. Day after day after day. I remember that. Me too. And they put stakes out there with like murder. And even his, uh, even um, Mark Morris, her her dad said that he stood outside and repeated over till he was hoarse. Mm Mm-hmm. Look me in my face and tell me you don't know where my daughter is. Just tell me where she is. Like, you're going to get caught eventually. Even if you didn't do it, you know something. So just tell me. Like, yep. she's my child. 
just tell me. Yep. Like how frustrating is that, that you look at someone and ask a question and they don't even have the decency to answer your question. Yep. And in her mom said she would see him standing at the window seeing them out there and never once would go out there and say anything to it's them. It's a chicken shit. I kind of feel bad for his parents because they didn't ask for that shit. No, I mean, they, they didn't. didn't do it. They no. didn't ask for it. But I'd be like, get your ass out there. Say you did it or at least own up to your shit. Mm-hmm. Right. You brought this on us. You're going to get rid of it. So fast forward to December 9th of 2014. <sighs> bad, bad day. Bad yeah. week. Finally, the DNA comes back from swabs from the trunk and they're a perfect match to Christina. So they found her DNA in the trunk of his car. Correct. They found it in two places. So you know that rubber seal? Yep. They found there what seemed to be six droplets of blood, the amount of six droplets of blood, and then another type of fluid that was not blood in the padding in the trunk. They said it could have been sweat, could have been saliva, um, it could be snot, it could be if he if she was sexually assaulted, it could be vaginal fluid, but it was some type of bodily fluid from her. It was her DNA. That was not blood. So now we have two different types of DNA of hers in the trunk. Even though he said she was never in his car. So on December 13th, 2014, Enrique is arrested and charged with kidnapping. Though they are 100% sure she's probably murdered and dead somewhere, they didn't want to run the risk of losing a murder case without a body. Yep. So they go with aggravated kidnapping because they can prove that. Yep. So January 10th of 2015, Christina's mom and dad start an every weekly Saturday search parties yep. at Allen High School every single Saturday requesting all volunteers, all helpers to just come search for her. And that I went to the the... Christina Morris Facebook page. Oh my gosh, it was like a rabbit hole. And I went all the way back to when it was and all the way back to when it was started and then just went up. And every single Saturday, sometimes they were canceled if they didn't have enough people, or it was too cold, or it was raining, or if it was way too hot, they would she would ask them to go really early in the morning. But without fail, every Saturday the event was there. And were they looking along the creek? They would go to different places. They would meet up at the at the school and then decide and figure out where to go. Where, to from, go. where they haven't covered. Yes. So on January 15th of 2015, state district judge determined that there is enough probable cause to hold Enrique in jail for a, at a $1 million bond. So he felt like there's enough. There's enough. And if I let him out, if there we is a body, back. he may do something. So let's just leave things as they are. Yep. I don't want him to get out. So then they start the trial. They start preparing for trial. A year and a half later, September of 2016, the trial begins. So I have a lot about the trial. Okay. Start with prosecution. So they announced in opening statements that they're requesting a life sentence and plan to bring evidence from a separate case where Orochi is involved in a sexual assault of a minor, along with deviant sexual images found on his phone. Also, to prove their case, they focused on five main elements. Number one, he was the last person to see her. Number two, his car had damage on the front of his car and was thoroughly cleaned. So I'll get to that. Okay. His injuries. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Cell phone data, their phones pinged on the same towers, and then the DNA found in the trunk of his car. I thought her phone was about to die. Prosecutors outlined that they believed that one of two scenarios happened. Either he grabbed her and forced her inside the trunk and drove off, he, or th- three scenarios. Either he grabbed her aggressively, threw her in the trunk, and drove off. In like the two minutes that there was nothing on surveillance. But, but where he parked was a motion camera or a still camera? So what caught him backing out was a motion camera. But the motion camera was not from the back of his car. It was the front of his car. So if he had he grabbed... backed into the parking No, spot? he pulled in. So I'll show you the video. But um, let's say you're looking from the camera's view. He's parked, the, he's parked here and her car's parked here. And so when he starts backing up, the camera starts. So if he had pulled, if he had walked behind his car and did something, the camera wouldn't have caught him. Okay. Because he also parked next to a pillar. So he, but he didn't even know there were cameras there. So he just no. got lucky on that. Yeah, he did. Because there's two minutes from the time that they enter the garage till that motion detector goes off. That's unaccounted for. So you don't know what happened in those two yep. minutes. Okay. So, so either, either he, he aggressively grabbed her and put her in the trunk. He offered her a ride. And she agreed and got in the car, or he may have bumped her with his car. And then put her in the trunk. And then put her in the trunk. I'll tell you my two cents later. But 
That's what they believe. ADA Zeke Fortenberry showed evidence of sexual of the sexual assault case in the information found on Orochi's phone. Plano police testified that Orochi had a sexual <laughs> had a sexual relationship with a 16-year-old girl when he was 22. Oh my god, come on. Where Orochi choked her, who she went by this the pseudonym Jennifer Smith to protect the innocent, on more than one occasion during sex. Detective Aaron Benzik testified he found 20 pornographic images of women tied up, beaten, raped, and mutilated on his phone. So he's that as BDSM well as, guy. Yes, as well as two movies involving rape, murder, and torture. Mm-mm, that's disgusting. That makes me want to throw up. Enrique's co-worker took the stand and stated that Enrique arrived three hours late to work Saturday. Oh. So he was supposed to arrive at 8 a.m., he did not arrive until 11 a.m. Okay, so he had stuff to do from 4 a.m. till the time he got to work. Correct. Okay. He said he, the coworker stated he looked more than hungover and We've very tired. He there. had <laughs> bruises, scrapes, bite marks, and he was limping. Enrique told his coworker, I got in a fight at the shops at Legacy last night, and the person that I was fighting bit me because I had him in a chokehold. But later, Enrique changed his story, stating a tire rim fell on his hand when he was attempting to rotate his tires. And on Saturday evening, he was with his girlfriend, who said she saw the marks on his arm. And she he also told her it was from a tire rim that fell on his hand. Sabrina Boss. So the tire rim falling on the arm is supposed to look like a bite mark? Is that what we're trying to say? Um, let me. Um, Sabrina Boss, who was one of her friends mm-hmm. that was at the apartment, she testified that she thought Enrique was romantically interested in Christina that night, and he seemed upset when they went back to Paulina's after Whataburger because Christina thought about taking a nap before she drove home, and instead of laying on the couch next to Enrique, she went to go lay in Paulina's bed. And he got mad, got off the couch, and said, well, I guess I'll just go home then. So Sabrina thought at that point maybe he was angry, and then that's when they left and walked. But he has a girlfriend, and Christina is living with her boyfriend. Correct. So, and um, during this part of the trial, when I was speaking to our cousin Amanda, who was part of the trial, went and watched, she said that also Sabrina stated that he, he being Enrique, hit on multiple girls in the bar. So he's that friend. And he was rejected time and time again. And then Christina rejected him again. There's possible motive there. I guess, but it's still bullshit. No, it is. No, it is. It absolutely is. rejected too, but we don't go and. No, absolutely. Not that it's a reason. It kind of gives even more reason. I understand it sucks to be rejected, but that doesn't mean that someone deserves to lose their their life over it. It's just a, it's just a motive. Yeah. It shows motive that he's like, you know what? I'm tired of being told no. Yeah. I want what I want and I'm going to get what I want. We're not property. No. Um, We're not things. Steven Nickerson, who was also at Paulina, stated he had called Christina after she left the apartment and she told him that she was almost to her car and she sounded okay. Um, She had been upset. The fight, her and Hunter were fighting back and forth. And um, she said, you know, I'll text you um, when I get to my car. But he didn't receive a text. And he said shortly afterwards, he started calling her and calling her. And it was just going straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail. That's what good friends do. The next morning, he tried and tried and tried and tried. And he couldn't get a hold of her and he was worried. And so he thought, you know, she'll call me, she'll call me maybe, because she had been saying all night that her phone was going to die. So he thought maybe her phone was dead, she went home to sleep it off, I'll hear from her. When she gets it charged up, she'll call. Um, And then she was reported missing. So, good friend though. Yep. He cared more about her than her own boyfriend. Yeah, he did. Then um, the prosecution presented a security camera video from the Kroger gas station. Oh, I know where that is. That's the that's my favorite Kroger. Me of all too. The I love that Kroger. And so this see? is about two blocks away from where he lived. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, in the video, you see him using a rag to wipe down the passenger side of the car. The inside or the outside? The outside. Then he takes the squeegee that's used for your windows, which usually smells like death. And he uses it to wipe down his trunk, all around the trunk, on all the around, outside, on the outside. So he's washing his car with the squeegee, with the the like foam yeah. part of the squeegee. Yeah, mm-hmm. but still, that mm-hmm. water, I don't use them because it smells like like shit, like sewer. Yeah, like they took it out of like used toilets. 
like used toilet so water. So why would you want to be washing your car, your 2010 Camaro, which those are beautiful cars. Why would you want to be using shit water and a squeegee that half of them are broken and could potentially scratch your car? And why are you using it's probably that to wash filled with bird shit because people wipe bird shit off of their windshield and put it in that water. Well, maybe because you committed a crime and you can't be seen at a car wash. And you don't know, once again, you don't know that there are freaking cameras everywhere. How can somebody be so dumb? He's thoroughly and he's really checking out his car, like really looking at it. Predominantly passenger side and the trunk. So he's not doing the hood or the driver's side. Nope. That's really odd. And That's odd behavior. It is odd behavior. In fact, if and I were know, at that same gas station getting gas, I would be like, what's he doing? What the fuck's he trying to hide? And this was at... Excuse me, sir. Can you tell me why you're washing your car with shit water? <laughs> why are you rubbing shit? Few, on, I just do, have a few questions. Me, is, do you hate your car? Is there blood on there? Do you, Where have you been? Is this like somebody's car that you hate? Right. Like, what's going what on? What are you doing? Um, and this was at 10.52 a.m. on August 30th. So he was supposed to be at work already. Because he worked at the Sprint store right, right. there. So he washed his car right there in the... In the Kroger gas, it's not really a gas station. It's like a it's a gas it's station a gas, in front of Kroger, right. and then he pulled in to work at eleven. But he, right he was supposed to be there at eight, mm-hmm. and so he's a, he was he's late a, because he was cleaning his. He's car. a manager, a manager, a manager, a manager. Police have found stated they found in the trash of his house odor remover, a multi-purpose cleaner, an all-purpose cleaner, paper towels, and rags. All in his trash. Well, did it have blood on it? No. I mean, that seems like common household whole items that you throw in the trash. All at once? Empty bottles all in one day? Like, what have you washed that you went through three bottles of cleaner, a whole thing of paper towels, and rags? And odor remover? Maybe my car? I all mean, of it? A whole I mean, bottle? I've gone through half a roll of paper towels. Okay, so that's a little bit extreme, I guess. <laughs> Don't I be mean, suspicious. I'm trying to think. When I wash my car, I go through... I, I have a bowl that I put Dawn in, so I just mm-hmm. use rags and paper towels to clean the windows. Oh. So that's extreme. So then they go over the cell towers, and it showed that Christina Enrique's phone connected the same cell towers when he left the parking garage on Spring Creek. I thought he didn't take Spring Creek. He said he didn't take it, but he took it. And their phones both pinged at a tower in Allen, just minutes of each other near Bethany Drive, which was far, not far from his home. You know, you nope. go down Bethany, and then you turn right there on Heritage. So mm-hmm. when they took his car in. To see, swipe. Yeah, to look at it. Swipe no swiper. <laughs> um, there was a dent. On the front passenger side, on the right front fender, the interior, specifically the front passenger side floorboard, had recently been vacuumed and cleaned. The car was taken to a CSI garage, and the detective got under the car and stated it was absurdly clean. He stated, I have been under brand new cars on car lots that weren't this clean. But when, so how do you clean under your car without going to a car wash? Did, does he have access to a lift? I don't know. But he That's said it not was something just, that, like, our brother was a mechanic, but I don't have access to the lift in their garage. No. But they, he just said it was too clean. For CSI, they did put on a lift, and they found some vegetation underneath. Barney Lipscomb, a research botanist, testified in relation to the vegetation under the car. He found a mixture of Bermuda grass, crabgrass, and hairy seed paspalum. The hairy seed paspalum that was taken from the car is mainly found in damp areas such as ponds or ditches or um, heavily wooded areas. And the sample that was taken, he was able to do what he said is like a DNA profile on a plant. And he felt that it was uh, September to November of 2014. So the vegetation was like a baby vegetation. So it was newly grown. It wasn't something that had been there for a while. Well, he can't go four-wheeling in his Camaro, so that makes sense. So an accident investigator reviewed the damage to the vehicle, and he stated he felt that the dents on the car were soft impacts, such as hitting, running into a body, um, someone's like hips or like a stomach, not anything hard like a skull or leg. Also, Enrique had said that Part of his injuries to his hand was when the tire rim fell on him, that the dents in his car was because he was mad and he punched it. Oh, instead of it falling on him. But 
the accident investigator said that whenever they looked at the damage, they were able to literally just pop it right back out. So it was it was just a soft, it just barely pushed it in. It wasn't an impact where they would see uh, an impact of a fist and then part of it coming out because of that. It was just a very soft impact part. So they just don't feel like what he's saying makes sense. It doesn't Well, and we don't really have any way of knowing whether or not it was already there. Right. And see, that's that's where because the timeline it could have is a little bit... Damage. Right. And that's where the timeline's a little bit screwed up about the damage to the car. Because when they first saw his car, when they first questioned him a day or so after she went missing, they didn't look at the outside. They just looked at the inside to see if she was in it. And they didn't see his car again until they impounded it. Who knows what happened mm-hmm. in those 22 days. I mean, days. if he's drunk on when he's leaving there at 4 a.m., he could have bumped, you know, those big poles that they have. I mean, there's lots of things that he could have hit. Or we know where he eventually took her. He could have hit stuff then. Yeah, and I'll show you. I'll give you my two cents about that. Okay. So then Orochi's girlfriend, uh, Rand Aridi, I believe that's how you I bet it. she's pissed off when she finds out he wasn't at home with right. a headache. You lying to him, bitch. You know those, like, memes or those, like, TikToks where the guys are, like, out partying and their, like, girlfriend's, like, oh, since, like, a like a bed selfie and then they all of a sudden, like, take his hair and, like, push it back and they put a pillow behind his head and he's standing and it looks like he's out in bed. Yeah. So she testified that he told her he had a headache and was going to sleep and she said that Saturday night they went to Shops at Legacy and had dinner. What? And that not only I didn't know that. Not only did he not tell her he was there the night before, but he lied to her about the injuries. And like I thought the Is more that I read one of that, those things like the narcissist going they back to go the back. Scene yeah. of the like crime, I felt he wanted to go back to see it. like have they seen her car? Does anybody notice she's gone? Because her car would have still been there, right? Exactly. Isn't wow. that crazy? I didn't know yeah. that. Christina Capped, she's a DNA analyst who swabbed the areas of the trunk. Stated that the two DNA profiles that were found, um, one in one trillion, yeah, were we Christina's know DNA, DNA evidence, um, and that one was blood and one was another type of fluid. So that is all the evidence they have against him, which is overwhelming. It's not circumstantial. No, that is they overwhelming DNA evidence. You in know, his car, he saw her. He was parked by her. They were friends. They were seen together. He his his story's not lining up. No. Like to me, that's. And he lied we from the beginning. We have people that have less evidence than that on death row right now. Yeah, like look at Brandon Woodruff. Yep. It, they took him what two days, three days to arrest him. They took it took him. They took him what four months to arrest him. Mm-hmm. <laughs>